Thank you for downloading this episode of the Final Third Podcast. We really appreciate the support. We're going to be talking about a lot of different things today, whether it's the MLS playoffs, uh, Ralph Ragnick being appointed the Manchester United interim manager, and more stuff like that. So go ahead, give, give us a follow on whatever podcasting platform you listen to us on, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating as well and follow us on Twitter at Final Third Show. That link will be below. And yeah, enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Final Third Podcast. It is Monday. We're back on Mondays. Had to take a quick break last week, but we're back for our news and predictions episode. My name is AJ Tabura, one of the co-hosts, fan of Minnesota United, which uh, since the last time we checked in uh, with the podcast, uh, hasn't gone so well. West Ham, which, you know, I, I wasn't expecting much, still sucks to lose. And the U.S. national teams, which uh, the women are doing pretty well, so that's cool to see. And I'm joined, as always, by my other co-host, Jack. Yes, hello. I'm also a fan of Minnesota United. We're not going to talk about that because <laughs> it would pain me too much. Um, I'm a fan of Chelsea. We're going to talk about that and it's going to pain me. Yep. Uh, yep. Fan of Atalanta. Great game this weekend. Yeah. Great result. Uh, and the French and U.S. national teams. All right. And both both the women's teams did very well this past, this past yeah. week. So I'm pretty happy about that. Where is France in terms of women's World Cup qualifying? They are top of their group, two points above Wales. They had okay. a 6-0 win over Kazakhstan. Okay. Uh, yesterday, I think it was either yesterday or two days ago. Time doesn't exist over Thanksgiving uh, That's break. Very so true. I, I have no idea what day it even is, uh, but <laughs> I, I do know, but you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, they I, are I top of their group. Mean. All right, cool. Well, that's really cool to see. We are going to talk about Minnesota United very briefly when we go over last, last week's predictions, but just as a general reminder for everybody, follow us on Twitter at final third show. Link will be down in the show notes. Uh, also, because, you know, it's been a while since we've really talked about the format of the show. I figured it'd be best to, from now on, explain kind of what the show is and the segments that we're talking about. So, you know, for those of you who are just joining us, I suppose, this is the Final Third Podcast. We cover soccer from the U.S. to Europe and beyond. And we like to, you know, go a little bit deeper, not just talk about what happened, but also talk about why it happened and what it means going forward, the long-term deep dive effects. And through that, we talk about the, the news stories that are very big. So we go into some of the on and off the field news, really get in deep there. And then uh, we have some other segments, uh, but the last main one is predicting the big games that are happening this week, as well as covering some big games that we haven't already covered yet uh, as well. That's a lot. It's pretty simple. Uh, so let's start off with the newsroom, Jack. We have some news stories that we need to kind of dissect here. How do you feel about Manchester United hiring an interim manager out of Ralph Rangnick, former Red Bulls executive? Just your general thoughts after the sacking of Ole. I think it's great. I think it's a great signing. You know, Rangnick is a great coach he he's uh he's the reason why we have some really good coaches in the league and in the world in Jurgen Klopp and Thomas Tuchel so i mean he he kind of made those two managers into what they are 
So it will be exciting to see another influential German joining. But then you consider that his contract isn't just for that interim coaching job. No, it's not. It's not just for this season. But Jack, how long does it go? It is, I believe, a two-year consultancy Mm -hmm. as well with Manchester United. And given what he did for RB, for just the RB sporting group, right, in general, because he, he chaired all of that, their market value increased from $120 million to, I believe, like $1.2 billion. Yes. I, I believe I have those stats correctly. I, I wrote them down. I'm hoping I didn't mess <laughs> I, them up. I believe those are correct, yes. It, it, was, it was massive. And the players he brought into those clubs as well, into Hoffenheim as well, you know, he, he is an influential manager and, in, and will be very influential in that consultancy. After United having some questionable transfers, to say the least, in, uh, in, in recent years, you know, it'll be good to maybe get some of that stability as well in trying to build a better team. Mm-hmm. I, I, I definitely agree. Like when I, when I saw this, I was very surprised because I was not expecting Manchester United to make such a competent move after sticking <laughs> with Ole for two years too long at that point and you know calling in Ralph Ragnick I think it's really good for those of you who don't know and I was actually surprised by how many people weren't familiar with Ragnick so I feel like if you know much about anything about Red Bull you at least kind of know what he's about uh he's been a manager you know on and off for his career um in Germany Schalke Hoffenheim but he was most famous as his executive role with the Red Bull group starting in 2012 overlooked all of the the sporting division from Salzburg to Leipzig to to Red Bulls and New York Red Bulls to the Brazil a division of the Red Bull group like all of that and he kind of established i wouldn't say the first pressing system but definitely the most robust and most dedicated pressing system in modern day football in the last decade and through that he's kind of become known as again maybe not the father but definitely like the godfather the uncle of pressing (laughs) something like that and that has led a lot of people to believe rightfully so that he's going to implement a very robust pressing system in manchester united something that we have not really seen from United we don't know if they're capable of it Jack what do you think he's going to do with this Manchester United team do you think that he's going to uh push this team to press as he has with Red Bull well I think he definitely could and you know we'll talk about this in the Chelsea v Man U uh review but we saw United press a little bit today It wasn't sustained. It wasn't as clean as it could be, but they definitely have the ability to do it. And I think with someone like Ragnick at the helm, they definitely could make things work. Mm -hmm. So I I, I think that that it definitely could be very good for them. But I wonder if like, uh, you know, fans of theirs were saying, you know, they're going to be on a title charge. They're going to be searching for top four. I wonder I wonder if it might already be too late and if they even have the right pieces because right. injuries as well some of the injuries they've gotten have been awful and it it will just be interesting to see if they get that new manager bounce because we've seen teams get it before uh 
with Chelsea, for example, we, we saw them get that last season. Uh, it can be possible. They're only five points behind fourth place, but it'll be interesting to see if Ragnick can adapt back to the Premier League or I, I, I actually no, I don't think he's has he been in the Premier League? I'm I'm I, forgetting now. You can look that up, but I'm almost I, certain that I he don't hasn't. think he has. And if if so, like adapting to the Premier League is still very difficult uh to do. It deal. is. And I, I I will say, because we we talked about that that new manager bounce for other managers before. And what what separates this appointment from other appointments is the fact that R- Rangnick really when you think about it is not the most i would say adaptable person when it comes to tactics like with other managers they come in they they see what's going on they try to adapt to the players rangnick is gonna go full in he, he's a very full in pressing kind of guy uh, he, i actually have a quote from him where he said you need to be aware what kind of football you really want to play a little bit of pressing come on what is a little bit of pressing a little bit of pressing is like a little bit of pregnant Either you are pregnant or not. Either you want to play pressing or not. And what that tells us for like what this means for Manchester United in the long term is that I really don't think they're going to have a real sustained title push or top four push because I don't think they're going to get a sustained uh, manager bounce like this uh, adapting the players and getting them into to buy into this pressing system. That's going to take months, and he doesn't really right now have the players to press. We could talk about that in a little bit. And people, United fans, might expect a Tuchel-esque turnaround, and I just don't think they're going to get it. Chelsea's squad last season compared to United's this season is still miles above in terms of depth, especially. They were a lot more tactically malleable, and to top it all off, Tuchel honestly just is a really good manager and did almost the impossible getting Chelsea back on their feet like that's that's like lightning in the bottle and it's hard to recapture that do you Jack when we think about getting the players to adapt do you really think the likes of I don't know Ronaldo and Fred and Pogba can like buy into the system like what do you see the future of the squad being right now I, I was gonna mention that I think Fred isn't the main issue because Fred actually fair credit to him he was he was pretty good today against Chelsea. Well, you know, uh, he did have that one miss where it yeah, was uh, a little embarrassing. Yeah, he did have that, but um, still, he, he wasn't bad. Uh, he, he was pressing pretty well, but Ronaldo is the big issue. If you want a striker that's going to be pressing, that you, you've got the wrong person in Ronaldo. Uh-huh. He doesn't press. He doesn't track back. He doesn't defend. That, that's not what he does. Uh, if if you want a striker like that, you're going to have to get one. Cavani is a better striker at that, I think, than Ronaldo, but he's injured. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's the main issue. The thing why uh, the reason why Chelsea was so successful is that every player was pressing United center backs as well. Not not going to be pressing Varane, maybe. Uh, but, you know, Maguire, <laughs> Maguire, Lindelof, Bailly. Can't see them buying into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, Chelsea was successful because everyone was adapting to the system. Everyone bought in and everyone was pressing. That's why their system works. Uh, we saw it in the earlier stages of their game today. But yeah, uh, I, I don't I'm, I'm not completely sure if 
they want to play the sustained system, what Ronaldo's role in the squad is. It's really concerning, I think, when you look at the type of players that Rangnick is inheriting to in this side. Because, as you mentioned, you know Ronaldo's not really known at his age right now to be the kind of presser that they really need. And when when you look at pressing and trying to to constrict and pressure your opponents when they have the ball into making errors, it requires defending from the front to the back. It requires the midfield. And even the forwards to pressure the goalkeeper, pressure the center backs, mark them and, uh, you know, press them until they make an error and you get the ball and you could counterattack and win and score. That's not Ronaldo. However, I, I am a little optimistic that Van de Beek can come back into the picture. I think he's a great player for the system. Hope so. Sancho, Sancho and Rashford, I think, for the forward line being very young and very, uh, you know, have they have the stamina. I think that they could do pretty well. But overall, I have some stats for you, Jack. Okay. Between RB Leipzig's 2018-19 season when he was in charge and Manchester United's current season. And this kind of will tell you a bit of what Rangnick expects out of his players and what he's inheriting. So in terms of tackles, RB Leipzig was first in the Bundesliga. Manchester United are last per game. Uh, per game, Leipzig first in successful pressures. United nineteenth. <laughs> pressures in the final third, second RB Leipzig, seventeenth United. Interceptions first RB Leipzig, nineteenth United. Recoveries first place Leipzig, nineteenth United. Opposition errors leading to shots first Leipzig, twentieth United. Goals conceded first, RB Leipzig, so they didn't really give up any goals. Manchester United, this, this might be uh, out of date since uh, today, but they were 18th as of a week ago or so. So that it doesn't necessarily say that RB Leipzig's players are better. It's just that the system and what is expected out of them is completely different. So, Jack, in the end, after the six months, do you think that this is going to be a successful appointment. Um, it, it depends because I don't think the main reason that Ragnick's coming in is for the coaching success this season. I think the True. main reason is to give a steady hand to guide them through at least most of the season, hope for the best. Uh, but then the main thing is rebuilding for the future. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think the expectation is necessarily that he takes them into European spots, uh, or at least Champions League spots. European spots, absolutely, like 7th, 6th, uh, or 5th. But that, that, that's, my, that's my take on it. I don't think that he, he's, brought in, he's brought in to be kind of a steadying force and some, someone who can change the club for the better in the future. All right. Well, at the end of his two years, or however long his appointment's going to be, uh, if they extend that further... Do you think that he is in his consultancy role going to bring a positive amount of change in United? Given the standard in United's front office for the past decade or so, I'd say yeah, because okay. the bar's like on the floor. <laughs> but you know, I, I, I think I think that he can he definitely has the capabilities to make this squad competitive. Mm-hmm. I 
I also agree. My main concern with his squad building, because I, you know, like you, expect him to do better than Ole this season, but not, you know, like the, the world aflame. I worry that there's going to be a lot of old heads in United that, you know, aren't really excited about him coming in with the iron fist or wanting a lot of change. And I don't know. I, I think that's a main concern that United fans are going to have. Uh, Something that United fans are going to be happy about is the scoreline of their recent game. So let's get into some of the scorelines on the field that have really uh, excited us, I would say, and talk about what they mean for both of the teams going forward. Uh, Chelsea versus Manchester United, 1-1. to Jack, I'm going to have you talk about that a little bit. Uh, I will say, not much to really say about Manchester United and how th- what this means for them, simply because... Like it was a it was a one off game with their interim interim manager. Uh, it, it's a good result, but it hardly means anything long term until we get an actual system in place. But Jack, as a Chelsea fan, why don't you walk us through what happened and how much does it hurt given that Liverpool and City have picked up points? To be fair, I'm not surprised by this result for two reasons. Really, one. Uh, we have a terrible record against United. We haven't beat them in the league since 2017. No way. I, is that true? Yep. Yep. We've drawn three times and lost four times. I, I wasn't expecting much. United just seemed to be a team we can't beat. I don't know why, but we, we just can't in the league. In the FA Cup? Sure. EFL Cup? Yep. <laughs> league? No. Second, uh, Anthony Taylor was refereeing, and I don't expect much when Anthony Taylor referees a game. Personally, uh, you could say that about you could substitute Anthony Taylor's name in for any EPL ref, and I'd probably have the same opinion. But still, um, there's just that extra bit of hatred, I guess, for him. Uh, But let's let's go through the actual game. First half, uh, some good moments for Chelsea. They were dominating this game. They they completely had control of this. They maybe lost it a little bit uh, towards the last five minutes, but. They, they ha- created some good chances. Callum Hudson-Odoi looked lively. Uh, Reese James looked good. Ziyech was fantastic as well. Werner, decent, missed a, an easy chance. Yeah. Best, best chance of the first half, though, Antonio Rudiger. I'm not sure if you saw his shot, but it was a curling effort. David De Gea just barely tips it onto the crossbar. It, it, was, a, it was a beautiful effort, really. And... Uh, I, I'm 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 shocked it didn't lead to a goal, but uh, still, Rudiger was the was our be- our our best attempt during that half. I think uh, went into went into halftime. Chelsea came out of it looking a bit rattled, bit uh not not quite on top. United had figured something out, and their eventually their strategy of playing a lawn ball up to someone and hoping it drops for them through the center backs worked out, but this time. There was a little bit of a, an extra element, which was Mr. Ballon d'Or himself, Jorginho, who yes. worst touch I think I've ever seen a Chelsea player take. <laughs> uh, it was it was awful. He he takes a touchdown after Bruno Fernandez clears it down. Play basically looks like he assists Jaden Sancho for this. He uh, Jaden Sancho latches onto it. He tries to step, and then as soon as he realizes he's gone, he's like, "Well, I'm slow." I'm I'm doomed, and he just he just stays there. Uh, center backs try and chase him. Rashford and uh, and Sancho are through on goal. Sancho pokes it past Mendy. First first Premier League goal for him. Uh, 
good moment for him. Didn't look great for Chelsea, and Chelsea didn't respond that well for quite some time. They, they looked at rattled from the goal. But that all turned around when, uh, you know, I think it was on corner number 13 of the game, uh, when <laughs> Chelsea had a lot of corners. I think they had 15 before United had one, for the record. But wow. uh, Thiago Silva goes to get the ball, and Fred, I, I believe it's Fred, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that, but uh, I actually think I am wrong. It's Aaron Juan Basaka, I believe. Okay. Yep. Juan Basaka is the one who does who does uh, does this. Tiago Silva gets the ball first. Juan Basaka goes right through the back of his leg. Penalties called, and Jorginho does have some redeeming moments where he scores in the 69th minute with a penalty kick. Uh, nice penalty, you know, the true pen merchant. Uh, uh, but you know, uh, it, it gets it gets Chelsea a point. I I think like Lukaku looked pretty good in the in the beginning of this game, but he I think he should have started this game. Honestly, we had so many crosses coming in, and no one was there to meet them. Like I I, I think I think it was really clear that uh, that it wasn't looking great uh, going from crosses and all of that. It, it had to be from straight up running. And there is one controversial moment I want to talk about that I'm real that I'm still upset about, even if it didn't lead to anything. Ronaldo receives a pass. He's like, well, I think a yard offside or so. It's pretty clear when you, when you see it. Assistant referee is right at it. Doesn't raise his flag because of the new offside rule where you, where you wait to, to hold your flag. Which is a dumb rule, honestly. Because Ronaldo doesn't take the shot and it leads to a corner instead. And Thomas Tuchel gets furious with it. To be fair, I, I, think, I think he's probably, probably right to. I think this, off, this new offside rule... It's kind of ridiculous. If it's clearly offside, like, like that, that yeah. far offside, if it's, if raise it's that, the flag. If it's that clear, right? Yeah. And uh, so United get a corner of it. If 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 United had scored from that, uh, I I don't think any uh, any um, Chelsea fan would ever trust that assistant referee or Anthony Taylor for that matter ever again. Mm. Never again would would there be any trust for for that. So. <laughs> Uh, because because it was such a blatant offside position, but that rule's got to be fixed, right? I, I I think I think that's one of the main things. Do Chelsea have to worry about this? Uh, I think I, I I'm not so sure. I'm not super sure about it because I think you know inevitably in any system there's going to be mistakes that happen, right? That that that's just bound to happen. The only goal and the only really good chance that Chelsea gave up was from a, a mistake, which can happen to anyone. It happened to Conte against Arsenal two seasons ago. You know, I, 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 I don't think that this spells doom for Chelsea's title chances or anything like that. Uh, it, it wasn't their best game ever, and they, they've got to get better at converting those chances. I think Lukaku should have started this game because he is a better finisher than Werner. So I, I think he should have started personally. And I, because Chelsea, do you know how much XG Chelsea uh, generated, AJ? Uh, according to a foot mob, it's 2.51. Yep, 2.51. And they scored one goal. Yes. They, they, they need a better finisher. Lukaku is that finisher. If you're paying 100 million euros for a striker, you, you've got to start him in a game like this. Uh, that, that's just my feelings about that one. I, I think that... And also, 24 to 3 in shots. 24 to 3. That's. 
like oh, you, oh you've boy. got you've got to get better at finishing uh literally i i i think chelsea training for the next week monday finishing drills tuesday finishing, finishing drills, drills. <laughs> wednesday finishing drills thursday maybe your bre- maybe a break friday finishing drills yeah just ev- every single thing uh it you you can't generate that much xg and you're you're not brighton chelsea come on come on <laughs> yeah i mean it's not just shots like 13 chances to one especially because manchester united like yes chelsea had injuries united was missing three of their first choice defenders Baran uh and shaw due to injury mcguire due to suspension pogba and cavani were both out jack are, are you concerned at all that chelsea's injuries are going to hold hold them back at least because you are missing Chilwell, unfortunately, uh, cruciate ligament injury, uh, Conte still uh, Kovacic. Are you worried at all that that's going to hurt this team? I'm worried about left wing back. Okay. Uh, that, that's the main thing I'm worried about. Because I, I don't, despite the error, I don't think Jorginho is awful. And Ruben Loftus-Cheek, he wasn't great, but we also have other midfield options that we could easily play there. So I'm I'm not I'm not too concerned about that position. It's Alonzo that I'm worried about because he he was all right. He he had some good crosses and everything, but just tracking back isn't his strong suit. It's not. Mm-hmm. Uh he he's 31, I want to say. Uh 30. He'll be 31 in a few weeks. Uh so I I I think that that's the biggest miss because Chilwell not only provided that high quality service from uh from the left flank but also was solid defensively yeah my fantasy team is gonna miss him probably gonna yep, trade yep. him out for james at this point yeah so. i had him in my draft team too my only chelsea defender it hurts oh it hurts let's it was move. good for it was good for a while <laughs> it, it was you know you know what it chill well in a lot of the chelsea defenders they, they they've served me well mendy has gotten me a lot of points on my draft team so glad I drafted him before you. One well, turn before me, too. Yes, yes. Let's move on to the MLS second round. We're not going to talk about uh, any of these games in particular, but just to go over them, Colorado Rapids versus Portland Timbers. It was the first seed against, I want to say, yeah, the fourth seed. And uh, I'm forgetting the scoreline, Jack. I believe it's actually one to zero. Uh, um, I, I uh, yes, that, that's correct. One to zero with a 90th minute goal from Mabiala in yes. Portland. And what a moment that was. We also have uh, SKC versus RSL. Uh, two to one. Johnny Russell uh, scored uh, the opening goal for SKC, but really there was not a lot of uh, attacking fluidity, not a lot of control from SKC. And I'm, I'm forgetting Jack, a uh, terrible MLS fan today. I'm forgetting who scored the equalizer. Uh, Anderson Julio. Anderson Julio, I remember because I tweeted that. And then none other than Bobby Wood actually scored uh, the winner in the 90 plus first minute to win it for the seventh seed, RSL. Only his second goal in MLS this season, too. Couldn't have wow. come at a better time, truly. Yeah, literally. And I, 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 part of the reason why I fell in love with soccer uh, and MLS in particular, not MLS, uh, the U.S. men's national team in particular was because Bobby Wood was playing for them at the time. And Bobby Wood, for those of you who don't know, is a Pacific Islander, Asian. And I just thought that was really cool. So to see him score, really, really cool. 
Philadelphia Union versus Nashville SC. Uh, quite the game that this was. Ended up uh, in a, a tie after 120 minutes. Had to go to penalties. Mukhtar opened up uh, the scoring from a great header. Gazdag uh, drew it level right before halftime through a really uh, nimble goal. Kind of a, I wouldn't say a bicycle kick, but over-the-head kick. And it stayed 1-1 to for a while. A lot of uh, subs throughout uh, the extra time period couldn't really get any movement there. So it went to penalties. And this is where it got crazy. Already MLS after dark. Jack, did you happen to watch this? I know you're moving moving back to uh, the dorms after Thanksgiving break. But did you happen to catch the shootouts? I turned on the TV just in time for the shootout. Yes. As a matter of fact, I, I caught the last five minutes of, of extra time and the shootout. And wow, <laughs> just wow. <laughs> yeah. So basically what happened was Nashville goes first. And, you know, uh, the commentators mentioned 60 percent teams that uh, shoot first end up winning. Henny Mukhtar, who has, I believe now through the playoffs in the regular season, 28 goal contributions, most in the league. Misses the penalty. It's not a great penalty. Andre Blake guesses right. Hany Mukhtar, you know, shoots it. Not exactly bottom left corner, like middle left, not exactly best placement. And it gets saved by Blake. Jack barely, El- barely yeah. by the way. Jack Elliott for Philadelphia scores. Annabelle Godoy for Nashville gets saved by Blake again. Sergio Santos, who was, I, I honestly... It was Timo Werner-esque how he was performing uh, today. Like, it was, he had so many chances and just missed them terribly. His gets saved by Joel Willis, the Nashville SC goalkeeper. And then Alex Moyle, who is a good player for Nashville SC, completely shoots it, like, towards the corner flag, practically. Like, it went wide and right by a mile. One of the worst penalties I've seen in a while. Yeah. Honestly, like all of National SC's penalties were god awful. In fact, they got outshined by Jack McGlynn, who is an 18 year old for Philadelphia, scores quite the cool penalty to put Philadelphia up two to one, uh, two to zero, actually, in the shootout. And Walker Zimmerman needs to uh, make this penalty in order to keep Nashville's hopes alive. And he basically saw what Alex did and was like, how about I, I make that worse? Walker Zimmerman <laughs> skies it again wide to the right. I don't know if like their boots weren't laced up correctly, but Nashville SC's penalties, honestly, one of the worst performances I've ever seen from a professional team in a penalty shootout. You know, they're so used to not winning and just drawing games that they just couldn't find it in themselves to win this. So, Jack, this is where I ask you and we kind of talk about what are the major takeaways you've seen from uh, this second round? I guess you could go back to the first round of MLS playoffs. Like, what, what, are, you, what are you seeing here? Well, home fields has been pretty good for the most part, except yeah. if, you're, if you're RSL. RSL somehow have won two away games. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, home field has won in one, two, three four all but five three games, six I believe. yep six out of nine games so far mm-hmm. so that that home field advantage has been coming in big uh first seed definitely looks like more of a curse than a blessing at this point yes uh but the main thing is 
penalties. People got to practice them. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there's always the joke about like, oh, Penaldo, Pessi, oh, they only mm-hmm. score penalties. Oh, no. It takes skill to, to score a penalty. It does. It, it does. I, it, it, sure, there's like, there, there's a higher chance than normal of scoring that shot, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if the XG isn't 100, there's still a chance that you miss it. And right. we saw how important it is to have solid penalty takers. Didn't, Nashville didn't have it, paid the price for it. So I, I think that that's a huge takeaway. Other thing, um, God, I want RSL to lose. Uh, that, that's, that, that's it. That's the other takeaway that I have. You're not a big um, Ochoa fan? Believe it or not, no. I'm <laughs> not the biggest David Ochoa fan. Yeah, I, man, I, I, I don't know who I want to win in the West. Uh, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's the fourth seed Portland Timbers hosting seventh seed RSL. In the East, it's either going to be NYC, FC, or uh, New England Revolution versus Philadelphia Union. Either if, if New York City wins, it's going to be at Philadelphia. If the Revolution win, it's going to be in Foxborough in Massachusetts. Really, my major takeaway here is the West is just eating itself alive. And I predicted this. I'm pretty proud of myself. I was just like, they're going to eat themselves alive. It's, I really didn't think that the best team was going to come out of the West. And it, it, the best team isn't going to come out of the West because you can make an argument that Colorado, Seattle, or SKC were the best teams in the West. And that's just not the case now. And Part of me is kind of disappointed in the fact like, yes, I like the fact that SKC and Seattle are struggling because it's funny because their fan base just expects them to win. At the same time, though, I think MLS kinds of needs to sit down and really reevaluate how they're scheduling and thinking about these playoffs, because I like chaos as much as the next person. But if every year the first seed always loses in the first round, does that not kind of make the regular season useless? And I, I thought about this, Jack. In, in sports, you know, the, the postseason is a big deal. In MLS, three to four games, three to four wins in a row, and you win the championship. That's three out of four uh, out of 34 games. That's not a big percentage at all. Then you look at the NFL where, you know, it's the same thing. It's like, I don't know, like, probably three or four wins in a row, and you also you know, win the Super Bowl, and you, you win the Lombardi, or whatever it's called. But that's out of 17 games. That's a bigger percentage of the season is the postseason. You look at basketball, hockey, and baseball, uh, where they have like seven game series sometimes. You know, then you'll have to win 16 to 28 games, like basketball or something, to win uh, the, the, the entire championship. And they have, for, for basketball, for example, 72, so 80 games or something like that. And so I, I, I'm kind of getting the feeling that MLS playoffs is not doing a great job at finding the, the, the best team in this league. Jack, am I going crazy here? This might be, warrant a deep dive at some point, but like, what do you think about that? Like, are you happy with the playoffs so far? Uh. No, I'm not happy oh, with the well, playoffs yeah, of so course. far. Like, you, you know what I mean. I, I know what you mean, though. You're not talking about my spirit, my Sunday getting absolutely ruined last weekend <laughs> uh, by Minnesota United getting crushed. Uh, but 
still, I, I, I think what they need to do, there's going to be 14 teams in each conference next year, uh, next season, right? Just, just make it an even eight that make it from each conference. Yeah. Like yeah. that, that's it. The, the, the seating and home field advantage is already a great incentive for the regular season. And there's a supporter shield for the top seed. Like it doesn't make sense. And the evidence is pretty clear at this point. Having a game off hurts more than it helps. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think that it's pretty clear at this point. Please, please, for the love of God, just give us eight, get eight teams in the postseason. It would make it so much better. It would mean, it would mean more games, too. More playoff games. And every yeah. MLS fan wants that. Come on, come on, MLS, more money. More money. More. <laughs> think about <laughs> exactly. it like that. That's, that's what you get. More money. More ticket sales. There you go. You've, you've yeah. got to speak their language. That's that's what you yeah. money, money. I, I just was not a fan of how MLS has scheduled the, these playoffs so far. I like the Thanksgiving game, but it's weird to go from Thursday to Sunday to Tuesday in terms of games that are the exact same round of the playoffs. Put that in with like it was after the international break, kind of a weird break. And then you have f- for New England a month between games like that. It's. It's too much. We, we need to really look at that. Uh, let's go on to the next game very quickly. Wolfsburg versus Borussia Dortmund. Jack, Erling Holland is back. He is. Does this mean that Borussia Dortmund can really put in a title challenge? Because, you know, he scored today. He's doing pretty well. He's back from injury. They're only two or so points off from the top. Do you think they could do it? Honestly, I think they can. Uh, might sound a little strange. Their defense still has some problems, but they're only one point behind Bayern. And Bayern looked vulnerable this weekend against Armenia Bielefeld, who are yeah. second last in the table. Second last in the table. Uh, they almost drew to them because their goalkeeper, Kevin Ortega, had the game of his life, like made nine saves or something in that match. Uh, but either way, they are one point behind Bayern. And with Holland back, who is, uh, according to Footmob, the highest rated player uh, on average during this season, plus also one of the highest scorers this season, I I think they could do it. We see how much this team relies on Holland. If Holland is truly back and stays back for the rest of of the season, for example, yeah, I, I could see it. They... Like Dortmund have had to play a system that they don't necessarily want to play in. Uh, they they've had to play with wingers. They don't normally do that. They they like to play uh, with two strikers up top. They haven't really been able to do that. I think that this could this could transform Dortmund into what they should be. They should be a solid team competing for the title, not like 10, 15 points behind Bayern, right? Mm-hmm. So. I'm hoping for the sake of just good, entertaining stuff that they are. But I also think that they are. Because Holland scored, what, what was it like? How, how long did it take for him to score on his return? Eight minutes. Yeah. Coming back. It took him eight minutes. Like, if, if he can score in eight minutes off, off of that, I, 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 think, I, think, I, I think he'll do some good things. He always... He, he always does good things. What, what, am, what am I saying? I, I, I think that Dortmund should put up a good title challenge. Jack, I agree. However, I do have a lot of reservations about Dortmund. Oh, their defense uh, is awful at times. So yeah, I'll give you I that. Mean, 
they're currently eighth in expected goals against. So mm-hmm. they are the eighth worst in terms of what they are expected to concede. Bayern Munich, Jack, I'll let you guess where they rank. Uh, probably first. Yeah, well, first in terms of least how least. little yeah, they're expected exactly. to concede. Yep. Yeah, they're 18th in expected goals against last place, which is very good defensively from Bayern, not so much from Dortmund. And so what if they want to win and, you know, recently they have been, except for that game against RB Leipzig, they need to make sure that their defense holds up. And if they can't hold up, which we know that, you know, this run of form is not exactly who they really are as a team, then they need to have a strong offense to kind of offset that. And when you have a player that scores a goal every 55 minutes, which is, by the way, the top for any goal scorer that scored more than five goals in the Bundesliga this season. You need to have that guy scoring goals consistently. And when you, when you, when your second high school scorer is Marco Royce with four goals, if, if Holland is out, if he's off of form, then you're kind of screwed. And so once we get into this, uh, the, the long winter and going into March and you have the slog of games and you just need to get through them, you kind of need to have Dortmund playing at their best and that requires requires holland playing his best too i will say though now that they're in the europa league because they <laughs> crashed out of the champions league maybe they can rest some players when they're facing against you know inferior opposition in uh, the europa league or maybe they just don't take it seriously at all and when west ham play them in the semifinals, west ham just destroy them and went on uh, go on to <laughs> win the final or something i don't know really i think it's their best chance at winning the title uh and that comes at the expense of Bayern's form and it comes from holland playing at his absolute best uh let's talk about international football jack i'm sick and tired of talking about psg and dortmund and whatever let's talk about the intercontinental draw that happened for world cup qualifying as those of you might know um Concacaf. Uh, the Oceanic Football Confederation and the Asian Federation, they have half spots for the World Cup. So they have some automatic qualifiers. And then they also have for uh, the teams that are right on the bubble, they send them to the intercontinental playoffs where they play another team from another confederation and the winner of that game goes on to the World Cup. So from these four confederations, two teams will emerge to going to the world cup finals and this year the draw was the afc asian federation confederation versus conmebol south south america and the oceanic football confederation against concacaf jack right the bat how are you feeling about that uh pretty good um i think it, it's good i think both oceana and concacaf teams are looking at that with some favor because let, let's be real. That that's significantly easier than playing than playing uh, Conmebol, right? So right. I, I think I think that's that's something that they're both looking forward to. Uh, the Asian Federation is definitely not excited about this one. That's yeah. Uh, that that's a tough draw, especially when you consider that the teams that could be competing for that are like Uruguay, Chile, Colombia. Uh, that that's a bit of a rough one. That's a bit of a rough one to get drawn into. So I. I I think that it's it, it'll be interesting. I personally, as long as the U.S. isn't in the fourth spot, 
Uh I would like to see an Oceanic team qualify to the World Cup. I agree. Specifically New Zealand, and maybe, maybe Michael Boxel gets to play in a World Cup. Maybe. Ooh, that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, It'd be awesome. New Zealand have done it before. They could do it again. Uh, So let's go over some of the teams that might be in this playoffs. In the Asian Confederation, uh, currently Iran, South, South Korea, and Saudi Arabia are doing pretty well in their groups. Uh, UAE's in the playoff spot for Group A, and Australia and Japan are fighting in Group B to get that automatic qualification spot. So no offense to UAE, I think it's going to either be Japan or Australia coming out of the AFC, which is two very, very good teams. Uh, on their day, they have the quality to make it to the World Cup knockout round. So it'll be really interesting to see how they uh, stack up against the Kone Bowl teams. Currently, it's Peru in that fifth place spot. They'll go- get sent to the playoffs. But there's a lot of competition around there, like Jack mentioned. Colombia, Chile, Uruguay are right there with Peru. And, you know, still in the fight are Bolivia and Paraguay. Like, this is going to be some very good teams that are fighting for these spots. If I had to guess, it'd probably be... Actually, I'm not even going to guess, because it could be, like, Peru or Chile or Uruguay. Like, any of these teams, really. So that's going to be interesting from Conmebol. Uh, CONCACAF, right now it's Panama, but it's really a dogfight between Mexico, United States, Canada. Uh, I, I will say, OFC, it is a bit easier to, you know, play them and go into the World Cup. It, 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 I should also mention, it's a one-off game. Neutral ground. Probably in Qatar in the summer, just crazy. But if, basically, if you can get in the top four in CONCACAF, you're likely to qualify for the World Cup. And OFC, they haven't started their qualification process yet, so whatever. Nice. Jack, UEFA, draw. Do you want to walk us through uh, the different paths there? Ooh, uh, yes. Let me make sure I've got, I've got this all correct before I, before I get into, it, into this. Um, but let's go into the uh, playoff paths, because if you remember, for UEFA... The runners-up of each of the groups, plus two lucky teams because of their Nations League standings, this mm-hmm. case Austria and Czech Republic, yep, get to compete for three extra spots. That's going to be two single-legged semifinals and one final. So there's four teams in each of these groups. The first path is path A, and this one, I, I, I think that this might be the path of life. Honestly, it is. I, I, it absolutely I, I, is. I think any of these teams could qualify, which would be awesome because having any of these teams in here would be pretty cool. Scotland versus Ukraine is semifinal one and semifinal two is Wales v. Austria. I would kill for a Scotland v. Wales playoff final yeah. to see who qualifies for the World Cup. It would be incredible uh, that uh, I think actually that's the most likely one to happen as well. I I, I think uh, Scotland is better than Ukraine and Wales is better than Austria. So I and those two teams are going to be hosting. Uh, yeah, exactly. Wales and Scotland. So yeah. And then path B. I think this one is probably the e- like one of the easiest ones to see. Who's probably going to win this one? Hmm. Uh, Russia v Poland in in semifinal one, and then Sweden versus Czech Republic in semifinal two. AJ. I hate to say it, but I don't think Vladimir Sufal and and Thomas Suchek are going to be going to the World Cup. No, I believe. I believe. You believe. (sighs) Uh, 
I, I think Sweden are going to walk this group personally. Yeah, I, I think Swe- Sweden are very good. And I'd also look at Russia and or Poland. Like whoever comes out of there is also going to be a very good right. team. Yeah, I, I think I think it's just pretty clear that Czech Republic are a little bit below these other three teams. I just have to agree. I, I, I think these other three teams, they're all teams that made the World Cup last time around. Russia, because they were hosting, but the other two got there on merit. So I, I think it's... I, I think this will be a really interesting one to watch. And then we have the one that's stealing all the headlines and making a lot of Euro snobs mad. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which is Path C, Italy versus North Macedonia in the first semifinal, and Portugal v. Turkey in the other semifinal, which means one of Portugal and Italy are missing out on the World Cup. One of or, the last two Euro winners. Yeah. Or both of them. Yeah. Or both of them could miss out. That would be. Ed, that would be crazy if North Macedonia qualifies to the World Cup. I believe group. the the that would be incredible for one for North Macedonia. Uh, but still, let, should did did you want to talk a little bit about some of some of the salty Europeans uh, that have been popping up over on Twitter? Yeah, it's it's a concerning amount of like European football fans who are mad about this draw, not because necessarily they're a fan of these teams, but just because there's this belief that the FIFA World Cup needs to be like the best teams and the best teams only. And so to have a Ronaldo-led Portugal or the European champions miss out of the World Cup is kind of upsetting. And I, I, I get that. I get that. But what they, where they're coming from is not exactly, you know, the, the World Cup needs to be opened up and we need to have more teams because there, there are so many good teams now that it's 32 teams does not accommodate them, but rather they come from the angle that Europe deserves more spots than any other confederation. UEFA deserved more spots than Africa, South America, North America, because European teams are better. And I had this long thread on Twitter. You can check it out after Final Third Show. And a bunch of other people have responded to people like this, basically calling them out because the World Cup is not fun because it's just the best teams. Like, that's a fun thought to think about, but so much of what we enjoy about the World Cup comes from those smaller teams from other continents coming together and celebrating the sport that all of us like. Whether it's Japan and Korea making their runs in the 2002 World Cup, South Africa scoring the goal that is represents all of Africa in the 2010 World Cup, or 2014, Costa Rica making the quarterfinals. So much of the greatest moments come from non-UEFA teams. And if I'm being honest, it's a little, it's a little egotistical and at some points a little racist to be like, this game only belongs to Europe. Jack, do you, would you agree there? Yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think the best word to use is imperialistic. Honestly, sure. I, I think it, it ranges on that because people are saying like, oh, Europe deserved this because they're the best of the best. That's where all yeah. the best teams are playing. Are like, are you telling me Africa where one team from each of these groups misses out? Ivory Coast missed out on the misses out on the World Cup. Yeah, you're saying you're saying that they don't deserve to be there. And, you know, do you want to know why they're behind Europe in a lot of cases in foot in, in football at talent and all of that? It's because Europe put them in that position because of all of the colonialism and all of oppression holding them down. And they're and they're and they're making a stand. And if you're saying you're saying, oh, 
they're not as entertaining. Think think about like if you're if you're feeling like you're being put down when your con- continent <laughs> has half, nearly half of the entire qualification for the World Cup, despite not even having the most countries in the world. Africa and Asia both have significantly more countries. Uh, the 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 allocation that UEFA gets compared to like thirteen out, spots, like, thirteen That's spots, crazy. it averages out to about one spot for every three or four countries in Europe. Do you want to know how many Africa gets? They get one for every eleven nations. Wow. Asia, Asia has four qualifying spots, four point five, right? Right. So yeah, they get i i believe let's see let let me quick do the math there it's like 15 one per 15 countries in Uh asia that is absolutely ridiculous that you're you are europe is spoiled rotten Mm -hmm. with these spots they they are so lucky that so many of their nations already get to go and guess what if you if you wanted italy and portugal to do it they should have done better that's it. Yeah. They should have won against Serbia if you're Portugal. They should have beaten Switzerland or Northern Ireland if you're if you're Italy. So what? You lost. Get over it. That, <laughs> yeah. That's that's what I've got to Go say. Off, that's Go what I've got to say. It's imperialistic. You're and it's already it's already so bloated in favor of Europe. So it's actually kind of just embarrassing uh, seeing all of the uh, seeing all of these people whining about it. I I I know like uh, you know we we have a friend that's an Italy fan right. We, yeah. uh, so I, I know he's not complaining about this because he's like, yeah, Italy should have played better. They've been playing bad since the Euros. And, uh, you know, be, be more like him. Be more like him. That, that's what like, I've got to say. Be more like Reed. Everybody. Exactly. Be, be more, more, like more like Reed. Like Reed. Yep. That's, that's just the advice that we should have for any aspect of life. Just be more like Reed. But uh, no, I, I agree. And people complain about how they're not high quality teams. Well, how do you expect these teams to be high quality if they're not given the chance to exactly go to the World Cup, compete at that high level and get the winnings from qualifying? Right. If you only. It's a it's a positive feedback loop if you push them out. If it's going to be like all European teams plus Brazil or Argentina or whatever these Euro snobs want. Then it's only going to make those other weak programs weaker and then you're only going to reinforce the fact that the best teams are in Europe and S- South America. Already, so many teams from across the world are catching up to these other uh, countries, whether it be like Japan or Saudi Arabia or the United States or Mexico or, or I I'm, can't say Ivory Coast, Nigeria, Egypt, Algeria even. And that's because they have the opportunities to make the World Cup, make it to the highest stage. Without those opportunities, those countries are going to be a lot worse, and it's only going to reinforce the fact that they're weak teams, and yeah. that's just a really stupid way to look at it. Yeah, I, yeah, it's it's just ridiculous. Also, I've got to point out, Italy hasn't been in the knockout rounds of the World Cup since 2006, so it's not like they're exactly the biggest staple that absolutely deserves to be there. Yes, yeah. they've won a World Cup or two, or two I think they've won. 2006 Italy? and nineteenth, not 1930. Oh, gosh. They, they uh, won, they've won two. I, I'm pretty sure they've won two. Sure. Uh, either way, like, so so what? Like, seriously, get better. That's it. Get good. <laughs> yeah, I think it's three, Jack. 2006, 1990, 1934. Okay, okay. So, that uh, sounds right. They, they won one pretty early. as well. 
they they won they won a few pretty early on i remember because they had a lot of dual nationals they recruited i agree jack let's talk about some real quick news why don't you get us started with washington spirit winning the nwsl championship yeah well we missed it last week but we're here to congratulate them now the washington spirit have won the nwsl championship in a year blighted by you know poor ownership and so many other problems it's pretty cool that the washington spirit were able to win in spite of that even if it means that the team that i think aj you and i both wanted to win and one of our friends, uh, a friend of the podcast, friend of us, Gianna, the Chicago Red Stars, feels bad that they that they lost another yeah, final. It, it feels bad. Uh, I will say I did predict Sphere to win, so I'm kind of happy as, about I that. I did as well, yeah. Overall, though, good game. Uh, some bad news came out of the uh, Chicago Red Stars recently concerning mm-hmm. their head coach, so not... <sighs> season keeps on going on with a down a bad road but hey uh we keep on fighting for justice i suppose uh in usl news uh union omaha win the usl league one championship uh, with a pretty strong win over greenville triumph the second seed versus the first seed union omaha take the title after last season i don't know if if our listeners know but usl league one had to cancel their final due to covid end up going to Greenville uh, based on the regular season, but Union Omaha was also in that final, and to see them win finally is really cool to see. And uh, that was USL League One, the third division in America. The second division, USL Championships, actually having their game right now. Jack has it in the background. I've been watching the game uh, through his Zoom camera. Uh, It is Orange County SC versus Tampa Bay Rowdies in Tampa Bay. Jack, an update from the game. Yeah, it is currently... Tampa Bay won to Orange County's three goals. It is the 59th minute as we're recording right now. It's going to take quite a comeback from Tampa Bay in order to get back into this. They missed a penalty early on, and Orange County uh, smelled some blood in the water, and they pounced on it, uh, going up three goals in that. that. But, you know, Tampa Bay, they have one back now, so we'll see if they can change anything. I think, uh, I'm sure... Future AJ will edit in uh, some clips saying if, uh, you know, if, if Orange County remain victorious or if Tampa Bay pull off an upset yeah. for the ages. Well, I I'm so confident Orange County won't that I'm not going to edit anything in unless <laughs> Tampa Bay can pull off this upset. So for now, congratulations to Orange County SC for winning, I believe, their first USL title. Speaking of titles, Palmeiras win in the Copa Libertadores over Flamengo 2 to 1 after extra time uh they went up early in the 5th minute from a Rafael Viga goal uh 72nd minute uh Flamengo equalized from Barbosa 1 to 1 De- uh Daverson uh 2 to 1 in extra time 95th minute puts Palmeiras up and after a lot of time wasting they get the win. I I watched some of the highlights. There's a lot, of, a lot of time wasting, a lot of antics, which is one of the greatest parts about this competition. They win, leave it Copa Libertadores, and book a ticket to the FIFA Club World Cup, which we'll cover in a future episode. Jack, let's talk about a little bit about last last week's predictions. Obviously, we had a miss uh, last week due to a, a medical emergency on my part. Why don't you walk us through uh, some of these games? that we predicted don't have to go too much into it because obviously it's a little bit older i guess uh, listeners don't really care but 
the score lines and uh, which person got the points for Canada versus Mexico to start us off. Jack, what happened there? Yeah, Canada versus Mexico at the Estadio Snowteca. Uh, it was freezing nice. up in Edmonton nice. and it was snowing. Canada gets revenge for their gold cup, for their maybe unjustified gold cup Absolutely. Uh, exit. And they beat Canada or beat Mexico two to one. <laughs> uh, I guessed one to one, got zero points for it. AJ guessed one to zero, which means he'll take 10 points from this one. Uh, AJ, why don't you take us down south to a bit of a sunnier place? Yeah, yeah. At least sunnier at, at this point of time. It's the yeah. summer in the southern hemisphere. I will say, uh, this is the predictions portion. We have a game where we predict. Uh, Should have mentioned, the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pr- predict some of the, the five biggest games, whether it's international or club. Uh, listeners can participate. By going to our Twitter poll at Final Third Show, filling those out. And basic scoring system, you know, we predict the actual score line. It's zero points if you get nothing right. Ten points if you get the result right. So if, you know, you guess Canada or Mexico. And 20 points if you get the exact score line pretty, and uh, right. I forgot to give credit to the listeners. They also picked Canada. They, they believed in the Canadians. Yes. And they are rewarded with 10 points for that. Yeah. And so the second game in this section, Argentina versus Brazil in the Bowl World Cup qualifiers, uh, it's a game that happened and some people actually paid yeah. to watch this game. And that kind of sucks. It was a zero zero draw. Jack said one to zero for Argentina. Get zero points. I said one to one. I, I saw a draw coming. I didn't think it would be that boring, but I get 10 points. <laughs> Listeners said Argentina. They get zero points as well. Jack, Liverpool versus Arsenal. What happened there? Um, Liverpool showed who they are and Arsenal showed that they're frauds. I'm kidding. Yep. They, they, they still did pretty well. Aaron Ramsdale, p- despite conceding four goals, arguably one of the best players in that match. Uh, but a- AJ said two to one, you'll get 10 points for that. I said that this would be a bit more exciting, uh, not for Arsenal, but it was for Liverpool. I said three to two. So I'll take 10 points for that. Our listeners, uh, I guess Reed must've can uh must have recruited some of his uh some of his uh arsenal friends to vote on that because they said arsenal would win which um bold what? bold choice didn't pay off yeah <laughs> zero yeah. points there uh don't know what you were thinking there but unfortunate come on listeners get it together chicago red stars versus washington spirit and nobody saw finally we already talked about this spirit one two to one jack said two to zero for the red stars i believe is that true jack no, no I, said I said I said spirit. to the spirit. Yeah, All right. and you because, so you got ten points yep. there. Uh, I said two to one, so I got to ride in the money. Uh, Washington spirits get twenty points there. Listeners also said Washington spirit. They get ten points now. Jack, I'm sorry to do this to you, but we have to talk about Minnesota no. United versus Portland Timbers. <sighs> Why don't you tell us what happened there, bud? Pain, pain happened there. Pain did happen. And pain happened in Portland, as. <sighs> The Portland Timbers really just listened to the podcast and decided to give me the middle finger, I think, uh, because they decided to predict the to get the exact opposite scoreline of what I predicted. They won it three to one, I guess, one to three in favor of Minnesota. I'll take zero points along with my sadness. Uh, AJ guessed one to zero for Portland. So the sadness is blunted by getting 10 points there. Yeah, that's true. And uh, the listeners, uh Guess Minnesota United, they believed with me. Unfortunately, our belief was not rewarded in this case. Zero points for the listeners as well. 
which means for a final total, uh, me and the listeners, we both tied up on 20 points. I think no, that, I, I think that's correct. I, I believe you actually get 30 points for guessing Washington Spirit, Liverpool, and oh no, you only get 20 no, no, points. I get 20. I got uh, 20. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll take that because uh, we're we're gonna hold on to any points we can get because AJ, I think this might be a joint record high. It's actually I, I did the math, Jack. This is the highest score that we I've that we've ever gotten wow. for this season. Yeah. Oh, this season. Okay, 60 points. The, yeah, it might be the joint highest. Uh, throughout our entire time predicting i don't know if that's true but 60 points every single one correct plus an exact scoreline way to go aj you've, you've made a comeback after some disappointing weeks in the past yeah jack and do you want to know where it puts us in the final that standings? puts us tied doesn't it no actually uh because i got oh, 25 no. points last week for some yeah i did get 25 points last week or last last week that means that i am just barely ahead of PJ. Five points, isn't it? By five oh. points. It's so much can change in one week, Jack. You are, however, still beating the listeners pretty handedly by 20 points. Final scores uh, for the season so far, 340 points for me, 335 for Jack, and listeners right behind 315. Anything could happen, Jack. Anything could happen. Still only, I think there's only like four weeks left of this of our season, our season that we're yes. doing here because we're ending it at the end of this calendar year. So listeners, you've got some time to make a comeback. You're, you're close in 20 points behind me, 25 points behind AJ. Anything can happen, you know? So let's get to predicting yeah. these, the games for next week. And AJ, why don't you start with a team that you, 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 you kind of like, I, I, I think, I think you like them a little bit. New England revolution versus NYC FC. The MLS Cup quarterfinals coming up this Tuesday. Yeah, so obviously, listeners, if you want to participate, we're, we're going to have a poll for this at Final Third Show. This is the quarterfinals or the conference semifinals. Listen, Colorado Rapids lost. They're the first seed. I said this before with our playoff preview. Revolution have a month off. That is the biggest X factor. When you have likes of Bo, Heel, Books on Buchanan, a little bit rusty. Yes, Buchanan played in the international break. I think maybe Buxa did as well, but they're still going to be rusty. Right? And their, their defense, their, their defense is not going to hold up as well as you want because they're going to be rusty. Likes of Kessler and Farrell. Meanwhile, NYCFC, we know they have a, a good offense. They beat Atlanta pretty handedly. I think it was like, what, 2-0 to zero or something? 2-0 to zero is correct, yes. And now they have the momentum going from last week to this. You know, the, the first round curse is something I wish didn't exist, but unfortunately it does. They're the historically one of the best teams in MLS. I'm going for what I predicted in the playoff preview, three to one for NYCFC. Jack, are you with me or are you against me? I think I might have to diverge from my original That's prediction right. because That's right. I really don't see New England winning this. Like, yes, they're at home, but they haven't played. By the time this game happens, they'll not have played in 23 days. That's a long time to be away from anything, and especially a game that relies on muscle memory pretty much as much as soccer. So, you know, I I think that they're going to struggle a little bit. 
I don't think they're going to struggle as much as you're saying in a one to three type Darn. thing. I, I have a feeling this is going to be like one to two in favor of NYCFC. Okay. Okay. I, that's what I'm thinking. I think it will be close. It will be like an MLS after dark extra time winner <laughs> or something like that. That's what it, that's that, that ha- it has that written all over it. This game. Revolution recap are going to be very upset at us for that scoreline. Jack, it's the Merseyside Derby, Everton versus Liverpool at Everton's home ground, Goodison Park. <sighs> Jack, who is winning this rivalry matchup? L- Liverpool. L- you, you, I'm Ooh. not going to build up to it in the slightest. It's Liverpool. Okay, okay. Both of these teams are hugely hit by injuries. Uh, Everton missing Gomez, Calvert-Lewin, Davies, Mina, and Holgate. Whereas Liverpool are missing Jones, Elliott, Gomez, Keita, and Firmino. But Liverpool are Liverpool and Everton, their form, form is Terrible. relegation form. They have one point in their last six games and two in their last seven. Relegation form. Seriously, like this, this is awful. They lost to Brentford, who are really injury struck right now. Like, they're awful. They're, they're, they, they looked <laughs> good at the beginning of the season. But ever since, like, uh, I, I think the last time they looked good was September 13th. Ever since then, they have one win since September 13th against Yikes. Norwich. Against Norwich. Everton are going to lose this. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is like Manchester United versus Liverpool. I'm going to say 3-0 to zero for Liverpool. Okay. Wow. I'm captaining Salah is what I'm saying for, for FPL this oh, week. I- I have not captained anyone other than uh, that's fair, that's fair. for uh, the last couple of weeks. So 0-3 to three is quite the scoreline, Jack. I tend to agree with you, especially because Liverpool are averaging three goals scored a game. That is an insane ratio. They've also kept the most clean sheets in the competition, and Everton just so happens to have not scored in the past three matches. This is... This is exactly the type of game that Liverpool wants. The only way you can make it better for Liverpool is, you know, if they were healthy or if it was uh, at Anfield. It will be at Goodison Park. However, there's just no way in my mind that Everton can competently win this. I'll put it a little bit closer. I'll go two to zero for Liverpool. And with that, we go to another Premier League game, which is Manchester United versus Arsenal, which is quite the interesting game however when i look at it i see arsenal as a team that has been found out before like from liverpool and with potentially ragnick coming in and maybe we get like a tiny uh, new manager bounce can like really get the most out of the likes of sancho and van de beek who have been on the sidelines kind of not playing so well i really see that this could be the the game that turns united's season around just a little bit so i'm gonna go with one to zero conservative but a watershed moment perhaps for united season jack what do you think i'm going zero to zero on this one that's how it ended the last time these two played uh i think you know the tuchel's first game in as as chelsea manager ended in a zero zero draw it takes time to adapt and especially given that this could be a pretty quick turnaround for him to hop off the plane he might get one or two training sessions in before before having this done I, I think it's possible that, that it ends up being 0-0. Plus, Arsenal are missing Saka, Xhaka, and eh, Kolasinac, not a big deal. Yeah, uh, yeah. United are missing Cavani, Shaw, Pogba, Ferran. Yeah, I'm going to go 0-0. I, 
I that that's that that's just what I'm feeling. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. Not not quite the moment United are looking for. All I'm saying is, well, first of all, Rainick is not at training right now, but he has gotten access to the camera. So he's been watching. He's been watching. <laughs> he's been watching. <laughs> and all I'm saying is that United, if they can tie Chelsea away from home one to one, you know, they're facing Arsenal at home, a worse team than Chelsea. You know, I could see it going either way. But Jack, speaking of Chelsea, it's West Ham versus Chelsea, the final third derby jack who are you going with chelsea what do you what do you mean there, there's <laughs> not there, there is there gonna be a doubt you're gonna go for west ham i know there's I know, no way knows? you're going who knows no there, there's no way you're going against <laughs> west ham i i know that i i know you're you're not gonna go against against the irons i'm i'm saying chelsea win this i'm gonna say two to zero two to zero is what wow. i'm thinking uh, wrong Ron, are you going to say two to zero to West Ham? I I don't know. You have to find out. But right, tell me why I, you think it's going to be two to zero. Incorrectly think, but Chelsea, yeah. Chelsea are good. That that even if they weren't at their best against Manchester United, we can see what they've done to good teams. Juventus tossed aside. Uh, they they held Liverpool to a draw with ten men on the field. They they put Norwich to the sword. They destroyed they destroyed Arsenal. Uh, Blah 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 blah. Uh, yeah, what, whatever. I I think they're gonna do this. They they crushed Leicester three to zero as well. I I think Chelsea, you know, they're gonna win this one. They they won it last. They won this game last season. Uh, I I can't I can't remember if it was the one to zero win or the three to zero win, but I, I I think I think it's I think it's gonna happen. I'll take the I'll take the in between of those two and go for two to zero. Jack, I'm going with two to one. For West Ham. I knew you were going for West Ham. And, and, he, and here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? Is our form the best right now? No. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Jeff. Here's the thing. West Ham, we just want it more. Oh, okay. Okay, that one. That one. Okay. Jack, with West Ham, there's belief. There's hunger. There's pride. Jack, there's beauty on this West Ham team. And that willingness to win, that need to win, is going to put West Ham above Chelsea two to one. And you know, you know what's going to be, Jack? I can tell you that the players are going to score, right? Is right? it? I, there's one right answer that I'll accept. If, if it is, who, who it, I'll let you know after that. It, it, it's, it's Antonio scores in the first half and West Ham feel like they're flying. And then and then Reese James scores in, in the second half. Uh, and it's going to be like the 60th minute. It looks like it's going to be a one one draw. And then Manuel Lanzini. No, is going to score in the, the late t- plus the, the extra time tapping merchant yes, or not tapping screamer merchant. My bad. Ninety plus eighth minute from the no. center circle, and we <laughs> no. win two to one. That's what's going to happen, Jack. Here, 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 okay, if if that happens, if Lanzini, you know, what, I'll make it easy. I'll make it easy. If Lanzini scores in extra time, in extra time at the end of the second half, I I will buy you a pizza of your choice. How, how oh. does that sound? It's, it's gonna be good pizza. It's gonna right, be. Pizza. Right. I know there, it's there gonna be go. on that that pizza. I know the toppings. It's gonna be okay, great. Okay. Okay. We'll we'll, uh, we'll 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 see. We'll see. Uh, the correct answer, by the way, uh, for West Ham scores was Kurt Zuma twice. Uh, that, Ooh. That, because if if anyone was gonna score against us, it would be Kurt Zuma. It one hundred percent would be. 
I changed my answer. I want Kurt Zuma to score the first goal and Lanzini to score the second one. <laughs> that's that, that's definitely what I want to have have happen. But with our luck, it's going to be a Dawson own goal for two times in a row to give the two to zero to you guys. That would that be the most uh, likely. Well, Jack, the last game before we get too carried away is Dirk Klasker, Borussia Dortmund versus Bayern Munich. This is what title challenges are made of. So far, Dortmund have kept the pace, which is with Bayern is what you kind of need to do. Always assume Bayern will be close to perfect and every other game. You, you need to be perfect as well. And you need to finish the business when you play them. They're only separated by one point. Bayern is top in goals scored per match. Dortmund is second. But the difference maker, like we mentioned before, is going to be Erling Holland. I can go over his stats. 55 minutes per uh, goal. Eight goals in six games in the league. Has only blanked once. Crazy, crazy numbers. And because of that, after two years, I think Dortmund can finally do this. One to zero wow. to the black and yellow team. Check. Are you still super Bayern? Or are you going with uh, BVB here? Uh, so you could call this Der Klasker, but what you should really call this is Der Hospital. Um, oh, because that was an yeah. awful joke. But so <laughs> many injuries. Reyna, Bellingham, Schmelzer, Mori, Guerrero, Berkey, and Azard all out for Dortmund. Meanwhile, Bayern are missing Chupomotin. Kimmich, Sabitzer, that's that's the main three. But even then, even then, and this is this is one of the main ones that's going to decide decide this. I guess there's two differences so far. I think Bayern win it. I don't want them to win it, <laughs> but I think they do because if you, if you look at their team and Dortmund's defense, Bayern's attack versus Dortmund's defense. If I, if I'm like Lewandowski and Muller, I'm I'm eyeing that up and I'm. I'm feeling good about my chances. Uh, plus, you know, it, it's been two years since Dortmund have won. Yes, I know that doesn't necessarily matter, but still, I'm going it for Bayern. To, I'm going yeah. for Bayern to win this two to one. Uh, I don't want them to win. T- for the record, I have a Dortmund shirt. Don't want Bayern to win, but I think they will. I don't, I'm not betting against Bayern yet. Whatever, whatever. I, the, I know like, for I, the record the last time I did this in the Super Cup match I bet against Bayern you bet for Bayern it paid off for you so with my luck I'm just jinxed in this fixture and yeah. I just gave you 10 points easy <laughs> yeah I mean I think I think we, we've predicted this this matchup three times in the past or yep. two times in the past uh last time in the regular season uh last year and I think I went for Bayern that time as well and they won so I don't know. I'm kind of going against the grain here. So maybe, Jack, you will finally get a win as Bayern maybe, wins this maybe. match. I don't know. But it's going to be an exciting week, listeners. So go ahead. And, uh, Jack, where can they follow us to be a part of this game? They can find us on Twitter at Final Third Show. Uh, keep, it, keep an eye out there. I'm going to be trying to live tweet during the Chelsea-West Ham game. Normally, you might remember in April, AJ and I did a live stream. Unfortunately... I coach debate and that's the state championship. Uh, so I unfortunately have other obligations besides uh, besides watching Chelsea crush West Ham. But I, I'll, I'll try and live tweet on there. Uh, you can see me. Pro- I, I made AJ say um, that um, Mason Mount is better than Declan Rice, I think, uh, or better something than like Jesse that. Lingard or something. 
you might have to see me do a similar thing if uh, if uh, Chelsea end up lo- losing there. So you're not going to want to miss that if that happens. So make sure to follow us on Twitter and see if maybe, and I correct me if I'm wrong on this, but you could be the 200th follower of our Twitter. Yeah. I believe that's up for grabs. Yep, 197 followers. Ooh, so Who will close, be so the close. magical 200th follower? <laughs> it could be you if you're listening right now, so you it don't want to miss it, that it, opportunity. It could be you, yeah. Uh, that is the end of the show. Uh, Jack wonderfully plugged our Twitter. You can also follow us on whatever podcasting platform you listen to us on in order to get notifications when we upload our episodes. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh podcast addict anything that you listen to us on google podcasts follow us there leave a rating if your podcast platform allows you to we'll really really appreciate that also really appreciate you telling a friend or you telling your father that you enjoy the show and want them to listen to it we'll see you guys this thursday for a yet to be determined uh, deep dive but as always we'll see you guys next monday for our news and predictions episode same time same place see ya Bye for now.